Good day, ladies and gentlemen. Today marks our first episode of a series of us jumping into World War One. Now, since we have discussed the Progressive Era and Industrial Capitalism and the Spanish-American War and Teddy Roosevelt's presidency, it's time to set up more of the world stage of the certain conditions that led to such a great world conflict and why it affected the United States so much. Now, in order to, to understand how World War I started and what was the driving force or some of the backseat driving forces that led it to be such a huge conflict, we need to understand a few things. One of those things is Germany. Now, by the time World War I started, or a year before that, Germany wasn't even 50 years old yet. Their nation state was born in 1871. A collective group of smaller Prussian and Anglo nation states banded together and overnight they became one of the largest countries in Europe, Germany, as well as one of the most populated. Now, since they weren't exactly in the world power game prior to being a country, they weren't necessarily respected as a world power when they became as big of a country as they were. Russia didn't take them seriously, France didn't take them seriously, England didn't take them seriously, and one of those reasons, once again, colonies, territories. Germany had none yet. But Germany definitely went out of its way to follow suit with the other nation-states of Europe. Now, we talked about Japan a little bit. It being a smaller country, an Asian country, and definitely in jeopardy of being taken as a territory to one of these great European nations if they didn't do something about it. So they had to catch up, which is exactly what Germany is having to do. But they're definitely not going to have as hard of a time as Japan did. Matter of fact, they definitely take world power status fairly quickly and do a very good job. But still, the amount of respect that is shown to a country like England or a country like France is just not up to par for what Germany wants. Germany wants that type of respect. Germany wants that type of that level of respect as a nation-state. Now, moving forward, we're looking at somewhat of Germany's little brother, Austria-Hungary. Now, Austria-Hungary is an old place. All these places are old. Um, their governments are old. If you look at you know, Germany, they have... A Kaiser, uh, which has its roots stemmed in Caesar. It's the same as Russia with Tsar, has its roots stemmed in Caesar. 
So you can tell these monarchies and these ideals are very, very old ideals. And, and Austria-Hungary is the same way. Well, in Austria-Hungary, not in Austria-Hungary. Now before we get too far ahead of ourselves, let's look at the geography of Germany itself. What is it? It's surrounded. It's completely surrounded. Landlocked, surrounded. You have France, Spain, Italy, Austria, Hungary, Poland, Russia right there. It's insane. And it's scary for Germany at this time. Uh, so you can definitely tell that they would have a lot of diplomatic work to do in order to keep people happy and in order to keep allies or enemies close, but at the same time at bay. And this system that Otto von Bismarck made to keep all these countries happy and to keep all these countries moving forward and being plentiful and making money because during this time all these European countries are making a lot of money. It was a very complicated system. Extremely complicated, but it was also very, very fragile. And it was said that if anything were to go wrong, and if this whole peace thing were to be thrown out, it would probably be because of something that were to happen in the Balkans. Now, we mentioned a little bit about Austria-Hungary earlier. And one of the people in line to the throne of Austria-Hungary, Franz Ferdinand, he's on his way to Sarajevo to visit. And little does he know that his death is awaiting him by a young man, a 19-year-old, Gavrilo Princip. Now, this assassination story is baffling. It's wild. And it, it's what makes our faith so unique. Now, Gavrilo Princip, if you were to tell him the causes of his actions and what he would stir and the domino effect that he would have on the rest of society, I would argue that he would go back and change what he did. But he doesn't know that. And in all reality, Gavrilo Princip is a terrorist. Not according to his nation people, or to his country people. To his country people, he's a hero. And that's the same with every terrorist that we face. You look at Osama bin Laden, he was somebody's hero. Our terrorist, somebody else's hero. Now, 
how Franz Ferdinand died. Gabriella Princip wasn't the first attempt. It was the second attempt. Archduke Ferdinand, on 28 June 1914, drove into Sarajevo. And apparently there were 20-some-odd co-conspiracy assassinators or assassins in the crowd waiting for the perfect opportunity to kill Archduke Franz Ferdinand. One of these assassins runs up, throws a uh, bomb into the Archduke's car, and misses, and it explodes and kills some people and hurts some people, and this guy dashes and he runs off and he jumps into the river and he bites down on a cyanide pill. Now, the only thing about the river is that it's about three inches deep, and the cyanide pill was apparently defective because they were able to take him alive immediately. Now, if you are Archduke Ferdinand, in line for the throne, you're probably going to go rattle some heads right after this is done. So he goes to City Hall and starts chewing a bunch of people out. But he also needs to be more diplomatic about this. And so he decides to go visit the people at the hospital. Now, for the assassins, they think this whole plot is done. They think it's been foiled, it's over. There's not a chance. And so they all go home. And Gabriella Princip is one of the ones that's on his way home. Now, from leaving City Hall, Franz Ferdinand decides to beef up his security. And now he has somebody on the running boards of his car. And his driver is taking him to the hospital when he realizes he has made a wrong turn. And he starts to throw it into a reverse. And there is Gavriello Princip as Franz Ferdinand's car stalls five feet away from Gavrielo Princip is the Archduke and his wife sitting in the car right in front of him Gavrielo Princip pulls out his gun and shoots both the Archduke and his wife killing them not realizing what he had just triggered not realizing that the whole world, that the whole 20th and 21st century would be different because of his actions. Now, for your first question. In what year did Germany become a nation state? In what year did Germany become a nation state? For your second question, how old was the assassin Gavrielo Princip, and in what city did this take place?
moving forward. Now, it wasn't the Archduke's death that immediately started the First World War. Obviously, Austria-Hungary is somewhat of a, well, let's just say not a huge deal to the rest of the world, and neither are the Serbs. Serbia, that is. But, they have very, very powerful friends. The Serbs essentially have Russia as their ally. And Austria-Hungary essentially has Germany as its ally. Now, the reason why this struck a First World War was not because of, ten not because of anger or attrition, but timing and tenseness and anxiety. Now, we talked about how Germany was pretty much surrounded. So when these things happened, when Austria-Hungary decided to declare war on Serbia, Germany knew that Russia would definitely want to get involved with this war. And if Russia were to get involved, that means probably France, and then England, maybe not England though, but either way they were surrounded. So Germany came up with a plan. A plan that actually made it possible to beat both of them. But this plan required extremely specific timing. Extremely specific timing. And they had to move fast. Now, a bunch of other comp or a bunch of other nation states started mobilizing their troops fairly soon after what happened to Archduke Ferdinand and Austria-Hungary declared war on Serbia just to be safe, on the safe side. But Russia, when you look at Russia, and we said, once again, the, the landmass and the amount of people that are in it, they should be such a huge force to deal with. But again, once again, in history, logistically, they're just not there. They're just not up to par for a modern military and a modern government to react to very modern crisis. So what Germany had bet on was that Russia would definitely take their time mobilizing and then moving against Germany. So they needed to kick France out of the war immediately, as soon as possible. Kick them completely out of the war. And then once they were done kicking France out of the war, then they could turn around and fight Russia after they had just got done being mobilized. But that takes a lot of timing. And it takes a lot of logistics. And it takes the right amount of guts. Now, for your last questions. On what day did Archduke Franz Ferdinand get assassinated? In what year?
Okay. And then for your last question. Who was Austria-Hungary's ally? And who was Serbia's ally? Alright, those are your four questions. Four questions for this podcast. We will continue um, next time talking more about World War I. Everyone have a good day. Thank you so much.